Hi all, and thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Open House. We're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all, because we believe that you can truly experience life advancement without having to spend thousands of pounds on -on one-on-one therapy. We believe that happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. If you love this episode today, please do share on social media and tag us at Open House Life, as well as tagging Dr. Tari and I. Now, into the episode, and it's a juicy one. Hi everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House Podcast. Today is a little bit of a different episode. So the first half is going to be me and Lola, who's right here next to me, just jamming through something that's been really at the forefront of my mind this week. And then at the back end of the episode, we're going to jump into a Girl Talk episode with Monica Yates, basically building on what I'm going to share with you in the solo episode. So getting back to London has been really, really, really difficult for me. And for those of you who don't know, I just spent five months in Mexico, an unexpectedly long time because I actually just went on holiday with my mum and ended up meeting a super sexy Mexican man who convinced me, well, he didn't have to try very hard, uh, to stay and I guess explore the beautiful heart-opening connection that we went on. Anyway, I left my dog in the countryside with my parents whilst I was away. So she was really happy because that's the house that she grew up in during lockdown. But I knew I had to come back at some point, not only to get her, but my insanely expensive London flat was also empty the whole time. And my brother is about to get married. So I came back to London and boy, it's been hard. I'm not sure if I'd never really realized how busy city life was or whether my nervous system had actually just relaxed since being away and being in the safety of being with such a kind, regulated man. But honestly, my first week back in London was awful. I literally jumped every time a car went past and I had a total meltdown when a homeless man started shouting at me when I was trying to get my morning coffee. Being back to London meant being back to throwing myself into the gym, into work meetings and running two businesses at once, as well as trying to see friends that I'd missed, keep a long distance relationship going via FaceTime, get ready to move out of my house later this summer and more. So basically, it's been a lot. And in the first week back, I broke down into tears more than once because it just felt like everything was too much. And that was when I discovered the Jenga analogy. Okay, so bear with me. But remember that Jenga game you maybe used to play as a kid? You know, the one where you like build up the blocks and you put them on in like sets of three, 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 three. And then you have to start taking them away. You poke them with your finger, you try and find a wobbly one, and then you push it through and remove the block. You keep doing this, removing, removing, removing until the tower starts to get wobbly. At that point, you keep going until it finally one day comes to a crashing halt. So I don't know if you remember that game, but that was exactly what I realized life in a city was like since I got back. My best friend in LA often refers to her life in LA as being like running on fumes, where you've totally run out of petrol, but you just keep going. And this made me realize that this is exactly the same as playing Jenga. So every time we add something to our calendar, it's like a Jenga block being taken out and out and out of the initially very sturdy tower. The more you do it and the quicker you do it, the more likely the tower is to fall over. So also, if you add things into your calendar slowly or add things to your life, like new friends, new habits, new ideas or new work clients, This is like taking out the Jenga blocks slowly, so you can kind of build a sustainable life. But the more and more that you add to your life, or the more and more Jenga blocks that you take away, the quicker it's going to take you to everything coming crashing down. And so that's why on a Thursday afternoon at 1pm, I found myself standing on Clapham Common crying while my poor dog, who's right here with me, had diarrhoea. And it wasn't that I was even crying about the diarrhea. It's just that the diarrhea was the building block that made the whole Jenga tower fall over. 
And in that moment, I realized that the diarrhea had interrupted the podcast episode right before that with Monica that I'm going to share with you at the end of the episode. But it also made me late for the podcast episode that was coming after Monica's. So as you'll hear at the end of the episode, I had to cut everything short and I realized I had been playing Jenga and the whole tower had just come falling down. So yeah, this episode is going to take a slightly different approach to normal and I'm going to share you the 12 things that I do when life just gets a little bit too much. And then I'm going to tag Monica and our girl chat onto the episode so you get a double dose of tips, tricks and advice. So what do I do when I get super overwhelmed and the Jenga block or the tower starts to wobble and then falls down? Let's get into it. Okay, so first up, when things are building up and the Jenga game is picking up speed, I try not to shut down and just blindly keep playing Jenga. So for me, I find that it's really easy to disconnect and to just power on through. And what this means is that I actually just end up really driving myself into the ground, taking on way, way too much, and then basically moving from tiredness into burnout. And then when you start to move into burnout, you become disconnected from your body and it can be a very lonely state. For me, I am so used to just pushing harder. I have a super type A overachieving personality, which means that I am very used to playing Jenga very hard and very fast. And what I find is that when the Jenga tower comes crashing down, I don't really know what to do next. But that's when I start to numb with things like pizza, Netflix, or in the old days, alcohol as well as some people that just want to numb out in these states, I also sometimes want to feel. And I think that's why I used to smoke and also why I love to eat. So for me, knowing and acknowledging when things are getting a little bit too much is a really important first part of the process. So I can start to slow the Jenga game down and start to get some of those foundation blocks back in place. Second up, when things are starting to build and I can feel the pressure rising and my mental health starting to wobble a bit, I need to communicate what is going on to someone around me. The old me, like I said in point one, would just have kept going and going and going and going and not said a word. But now, even if it's just me talking to my mum or a friend when I'm out on my morning dog walk, I will either give someone a call or send them a voice note and just say to them, things are picking up speed and just getting a little bit too much. This will help me to know that I'm not suppressing the emotions and that I'm giving people a heads up around me in case at some point I need their help or I need to cancel on them. This is basically saying I'm playing Jenga and things are starting to get a little bit tricky. For me, self-awareness is such an important part of the process and point two is tied into self-awareness. Next up, cry. For me, when I feel the pressure building and I look at my calendar and I think, oh my God, I have to do that, that and that, but I haven't got time to do that. And oh my God, I haven't messaged her back and I didn't call him back and the dog hasn't been walked and she's about to maybe wet herself. I just let myself cry. I feel it building up and up and up in my chest and I feel that it is so, so important to let it out rather than hold it in. I truly believe that we are way too smart and emotionally in tune these days to be holding in and suppressing any emotions that are only ever going to end up going downwards into our body and will end up causing us a ton of physical and emotional issues later on. So for me, if I want to cry, let it out, ball it out, be alone, do it with someone else, whatever works for you. Same thing. If I feel the tightness building up in my chest, I will take a conscious decision to breathe in and out, filling my body up with the oxygen that I'm not getting when I start to stress out and we start to move into a more dysregulated stage of our nervous system and we then start to breathe more shallow rather than the key deep breaths that we need to stay regulated, calm and centered. So next up, when I've told people what's going on and I'm aware myself, I will start to look at what I can take off my plate to prioritize my own mental health. This is probably the same as saying, okay, I'm not going to add another 10 layers on top of the Jenga tower when I'm already playing Jenga with 12 layers of bricks. 
First up, I will stop booking things in for the week ahead immediately. And if I have a weekend of anything coming up, I will try and clear it unless it's crucial. I will also have a look at what is not time sensitive or crucial and see what can be moved at the weekend or the next weekend that can be rescheduled into the week after or even after that. For a long time in my life, I felt like I need to do everything now. And if I'm not doing it this week, then I need to do it next week. But what I have started to learn as I've gone to therapy is that there is all the time in the world and not everything has to be done now. In next week's episode on the nervous system, Dana Doswell actually taught me that if you are looking at a to-do list and thinking, oh my goodness, I have to do everything right now and jumping between a thousand tasks, then that is actually a sign of nervous system dysregulation. Another thing that I used to think was crucial and that I had to fit into my diary, no matter how busy I was, was exercise. I always thought it was so important that I kept going to the gym as I wanted to stay healthy and I wanted to look good. But as I have done more and more of the work, I've started to realize that pushing yourself in the gym if you are already struggling outside of the gym is not always a kind, caring and loving thing to do. Sure, there are a ton of mental health benefits from working out, and maybe there are some days when actually what you do need to do is just sweat it out. But also what I've learned is that sometimes your body just needs a little bit of quiet, peace, love, and compassion, as well as a little bit more sleep. So for me, I'll take a judgment call on what my body really wants and needs, rather than thinking about the six-pack or the bikini body at the end of it. Okay, Point five in what I do when things just get too overwhelming is prioritizing myself with a cancel where necessary. So like I've mentioned, one of my biggest challenges is just plowing on. I hate canceling on people because I used to do it all the time when I ran my own business and I was on in a constant state of stress and pressure. So today I'm really hypersensitive to not doing that to people, but the truth is sometimes you have to, because this is prioritizing yourself. And yes, again, like exercise, friendships are important, as are fun social engagements, but at this point I will always put myself first. And if I'm really struggling, I will explain that to my friends. And because I keep my friendship group small, they are all great people around me and they understand. I find this honesty is so important. And if your friends can't respect the fact that you're needed to cancel the plan for your mental health, then damn, you need to ditch these friends right now. Like Monica says later in the episode, at the same time, sometimes seeing people that you love will make you feel better. But sometimes you just need to change a plan. Maybe changing where you're supposed to be meeting, hanging out at home for the evening rather than going out, or maybe even just going for a walk or going to the cinema rather than going out for the evening. Modify your plans when necessary. What I'll then move into is calendar management for the next week. So what can I take out? What can get pushed? What is non-crucial? Where can I block time out to do all of the things on my to-do list that haven't got a place? Now, I think that this one is super, super interesting, particularly for people that have children, that have pets, that are traveling. There are so many things to do. And if we do not time block them out, often they just end up jumping into the spare spaces of time that we have. And instead of breathing and calming in those moments, we end up just jumping around again from 100 tasks to 100 other things and really not taking any deep breaths. So this concept of clearing my diary as well as time blocking what is crucial and pushing what isn't helps me be able to breathe a sigh of relief and just be able to think, okay, next week is going to be okay. Now, point six, and everyone says self-care, 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 but for me, I really don't feel better by sitting at home gua sharing or getting a massage because When I have a crushing pressure in my chest that makes me feel like I can't breathe and everything is doomed, I don't really find lying in a bath particularly helpful. For me, I like to create like a combination of things that make me feel better in terms of giving me space, but also bringing me some pleasure. So sure, if you find something that really helps you and that makes you feel really good, definitely lean into that. And I'm always so jealous of the people that have a hobby or something that really, really brings them joy. 
But for me, honestly, I find that clearing my diary, coming home, having a bath, watching Netflix in the bath, getting a takeaway, lying on the sofa, and then getting into bed and reading a book under the light of my salt lamp, which is so calming and so beautiful, is really the thing that brings me the most calm and contentment in those moments. So yes, while some therapists might call this numbing, and I really understand that lying on the sofa eating food every single night is not the way to control this, I think that doing it in controlled doses while learning that one day, hopefully I might learn to balance my own life enough to not have to do this, is a good enough starting point. People also say that getting out in nature is so important to calming and regulating our nervous system. I have to say I'm not one of those people that finds great joy in doing this in London because I feel like our green spaces are just kind of green spaces surrounded by roads. But often if I can, I will go back to the countryside where my parents live and I will get out into a forest, really breathe into proper countryside as I walk. I definitely think that in some capacity, this helps me to calm, to ground, to regulate, and to just prepare myself a little bit better for going back to the city. I know that we need to build a life that we don't need an escape from, but if this is you, maybe see if you can escape the city. Even if you just drive for the day, rent a zip car. If you have a car, hop on the train and go somewhere. Go out somewhere that you can walk or go down to Dover and walk along the cliffs, you know, go down to the beach. I personally haven't spent a lot of time doing day trips this summer just because I actually haven't been here. I've obviously been on the other side of the world. But I do think that there are ways that you can open up gaps of space in big city life. Or at the same time, I can't imagine what an incredible stress it is having children. I find having a dog hard enough for me sometimes. But if there are ways that you can give them to a friend or a loved one, your partner, just to give you a couple of hours to breathe, then I think that this is another really important way just to come back and reconnect to yourself without the constant distractions of families all around you. Okay, next up, point eight, stop doing unnecessary shit. This is a big one for me that I have found has made my life so much more easy to manage. Stop going to dinners with people that you don't really care about. Stop going to hen parties where you don't give a shit about the hen. Stop saying yes to things that you want to say no to or that are even a maybe. I always say to myself, is this person going to be in my life in five years time? And if the answer is yes, then yes, I do want to see you for coffee. I do want to see you for lunch and I do want to see you for dinner. But if it's a no, or even if it's a maybe, then I'm sorry, bud, but it is a no from me. I have to be honest, I find that when I stopped doing unnecessary shit, which definitely aligned with me stopping drinking, I just found that I had so much more time and space, which has helped me to be able to navigate and handle the Jenga game of daily life. Okay, next up, point nine, when I feel like everything is getting overwhelming, I find it incredibly helpful to explain to your friends or family that your emotional bandwidth is low and that you might need to step out of the role of ever supportive best friend for a few moments. Now, this is a really big one for me because as a deeply empathetic person that feels everything, I always want to help people talk through their problems, come to solutions for them, make them feel loved and cared for, and really just, I guess, take them to a better place. But the problem is, is when I'm emotionally full up and overflowing myself and the Jenga tower has either fallen over or is about to fall, I feel like taking on other people's stresses and pressures is just like adding more layers to the Jenga game and poking more holes in the structure. It just takes me one step closer to feeling like I can't do this. Right now, I actually have a couple of friends who are going through a lot and I really want and need to be there for them. But I also do now have moments when I say, I love you so much. I don't have the emotional capacity to help you on this today or we're both gonna have a meltdown. But as soon as I have had some time open up that I can help you with, I will. In the meantime, I say to them, do you have anyone else that you can talk to about this? So yeah, often I feel really guilty, but I think that my friends appreciate that I'm being honest with them, being honest with myself, and it works better rather than just like cutting them off or really just going silent on them. Now this brings me to point 10. 
which is that one of the hardest things I struggle with is WhatsApp. I feel like WhatsApp is the thing that constantly makes the Jenga tower want to fall over. I haven't got an answer for this, but I do know that in the always on society that we live in today, there are so many messages that come through, questions, thoughts, things, people, emails, Instagrams, DMs, TikToks, etc, etc, that sometimes I just get so overwhelmed. Anyone who knows me knows that this is very normal for me, but every so often there will be a new person that comes into my life or that I'll be working with and they will get offended or question why I haven't replied to them in 24 hours. The truth is, is between running two businesses, having a dog and trying to manage a long distance relationship, which is the equivalent of maybe someone else having two kids or maybe the equivalent of someone else having to travel three times a week. I just don't feel like I have enough time to do everything. And that is when my chest starts to get tight. This is another reason why for me, it's so important just to keep a small group of friends around me. They will know that I will reply when I can and I am never ignoring them, even if days or weeks go by. They know that my silence is never a reflection on them. It is always something that I am going through or that I am dealing with myself. On top of that, I will always make sure that there are one or two friends that I always will tell on a daily basis what is going on, which ties me back to point two of today's episode, connecting and communicating. Sometimes when it feels like I've been ignoring someone or I just really haven't had time to think about what I need to say to them, I'll actually just check in with a quick voice note saying that I'm struggling or I haven't had time to process their message or even give it a second thought and that I will get back to them soon. But one of my best pieces of advice is putting a timestamp on this. I will always try and give them a specific time that I will get back to them by. I love this rather than it being open-ended because it makes me feel better knowing that I have not only given myself some more runway, but it also makes me feel better knowing that every day that goes by, they won't be just there waiting, getting more and more annoyed. I also feel like it gives me an opportunity to know when I'm going to reply to them. So maybe I'll say, I'm going to go for a dog walk on Sunday, or I'm going to spend some time on my own on Sunday. I will send you a voice note or give you a call then. I want you to remember that true friends will wait and hold space for you. And those are the friends that I now have. If anyone is pushing you to reply, pressuring you into feeling like you are not a good enough friend, or taking more from you than you can give, this is not a healthy relationship. Something that it has taken me a lot of time and effort to learn about is the concept of boundaries. You can put in whatever boundary you need to protect your emotional and physical health. And if someone doesn't understand this, then that is actually them disrespecting the concept of boundaries. I would always look towards transitioning and shifting into moving into friendships that respect these boundaries and respect the fact that you deal with things differently to other people. For me, I find it really hard to socialize more than, you know, two or three times a week, absolute max. Whereas I have extroverted friends that will do something every single night of the week. If I'm only socializing, say, twice a week, that only means really that I can see eight people a month if I'm seeing them on a one-on-one basis. That is why I like to keep five to 10 people in my close friendship group and invest in them. Sure, you can do big group things as well if that works and maybe it will work for you that you feel like you can tick 10 boxes in one dinner. And sometimes that does work for me too. But I do like to commit to quality time in these one-on-one relationships. And to be able to do that, I need to give myself space. That brings me to point 11, scheduling in quality time with myself and others. Prioritizing this quality time with myself or with my partner or with another means that when I'm in it with them, it's really quality time. I'll try to be really present. I'll put my phone away and I'll really connect and understand what is going on with them. This also goes for just calling people on the fly. Sometimes I think, fuck, I haven't called this person. So I call them, but then I'm walking through London. People are stopping me. The dog's doing a wee on the street. I bump into people that I know in the neighborhood, et cetera, et cetera. And that conversation that I'm having with that person then actually stresses me out even more. So for me, I love just putting this quality time in my diary, knowing that when I phone that person 
or when I'm with them in person, that everything will just feel calm, regulated and relaxed. Now this brings me to point 12, my final point, which should have gone at number one, if I'm honest. But if you have access to a therapist or a coach, these spaces will be life-changing for you. Shortly after I had a meltdown last week, I had a session with a therapist who will shortly be on the Open House podcast, who helped me just cry everything out, talk it out, work out where the pressure was coming from, work out what I was taking on that was unnecessary and so much more. By the end of the day, I felt so much better that I was able to go to Soho House for the evening and to meet two of my amazing friends who I haven't seen in ages. I went to bed happy, connected, tired, and so, so glad that I didn't cancel them. I just needed that space to talk through everything and more. So my loves, that is my top 12 tips on what I do when life just gets a little bit too much and the Jenga game is picking up speed. For the rest of today's episode, we're going to jump into a Girl Talk episode with Monica, who is just as busy as me, but on the outside always seems to be coping with things a little bit better. We get into whether that is actually true or not. And in today's episode, Monica shares not only how she travels around the world, having family in Australia, but living in America, but also how she manages building and running a million pound plus business whilst also trying to fall in love and build and maintain a happy and healthy and regulated relationship, as well as having four dogs between them and trying to nurture her friendships all around the globe. There are so many interesting key takeaways and points in the next part of this episode that I would definitely advise you to keep listening because I just love hearing from people who actually are going through what you go through. So if life just feels a little bit too much for you, whether it's the kids, whether it's your pets, whether it's the city, whether it's your family, just know that you are not alone. I have been shaken to the core by coming back to London, and in next week's episode, we're going to discuss why that is. But going through this 12-point list has been a critical saving grace for me, just to be able to manage a little bit better. Tomorrow, I've blocked out a full day in my diary and I'm so excited to open up some space just to see what I want to do in that day. Right now, I'm thinking that I want to go and get my hair cut, that I want to go and see my friend Ellie, and that I also want to go and meet a new dog walker to see how she could help me with my day-to-day life. So, my friends, without further ado, it is into the second part of the episode where we are going to continue and tell you all of the final things that you need to know for when life and the Jenga game is just getting a bit too busy. I feel like the way that this episode is going already is like perfect because it literally summarizes everything we're going to talk about today. Like you just messaged me. Tell everyone what you just messaged me whilst I was waiting in the studio for us to start recording. Um, Well, I was standing here trying to get the episode, like get the video ready. And I literally just feel this like drip down my inner thigh and I put my hand in between my legs and then I pick my hand out and there's just blood all over my hands. So I say to my boyfriend, like, can you just give me text Louise? And my period's literally dripping out of me. And he literally looks at my hand. He's like, ew. And then I, like, run to the toilet and just just empty my period cap. You know, that's basically the start of the episode for today. Oh, my God. And while she was doing that, I was like, oh, I'm just going to fill in my eyebrows because she's a few minutes late. I just drop my pencil down the toilet and I'm just, like, hand straight in. And I was just like, oh, my God. This is... <laughs> It's like not a vibe. When I, then I come back, my dog is humping her bed because she's frustrated. And then my AirPods ran out of battery. So I was like, yeah, this is, this is a good start to episode because we're sharing the reality that you guys see us living our best lives. Like, Monica, where even in the world are you right now? I actually don't even know. I'm in Rome. We just had the best breakfast. We stayed, okay, I have to tell you, Louise, if you ever come to Rome, you need to stay at the St. Regis. It is so fucking good. The rooms are beautiful. The food is insane. The lobby is literally what dreams are made of. If you like amazing architecture and you want to look at a ceiling and it'd be like that full, I don't even know what it's called, but you know, the kind of buildings I'm talking about, like that you see in Europe, like, oh my God, this hotel is just the most divine thing. Oh my goodness. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. I feel like it's on another love retreat. I, however, will not be going to Rome anytime soon because I got back to London and I'm like, everyone's like, oh my God, come to Barcelona for the weekend or like come to here for the weekend. And I'm like, I... Mm. literally i'm like having a mental breakdown and i need to just stay in one place for a small period of time and that is what we're going to talk about today is like 
what to do when things just get a bit much. And I messaged Monica this morning and I was like, this episode is going to be perfect because this is not something that I need to see a therapist for. I mean, like, okay, I probably could. It's just like, sometimes you just need to talk to your like best friend and be like, everything Mm -hmm. is just a bit shit or I'm just totally overwhelmed or I just had to put my hand down the fucking toilet to get my thing out (laughs) because I'm not even sure I actually flushed the loo. Like, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) What we're going to talk about today is like, Monica is living the dream out in Rome and I am- I also want to say Louise and like for everybody I know it looks like I'm living the dream but there is also so much going on behind the scenes like we've just bought a house so we're going through all the house shit and it's a confusing situation because I'm not a citizen uh, or a permanent resident of the US and you've got these visa things and then we're like I'm trying to run a fucking business and I'm trying to grow my team and I have all these things happening and I've got all these clients and la la and I want to go traveling and I want to do this and I want to see friends like I was thinking about this as I was changing my period cup of like when we were talking when I was thinking about the episode by the way you look beautiful of uh, there is just so much that I feel like goes unsaid in regards to the behind the scenes of running a business and just being a woman that wants to like have it all and do it all where you want to have the amazing relationship and you want to be able to have a good social life and you want to be making heaps of money and you want to be running your own business can do it all but it's also just a lot and which kind of links into the whole overwhelm thing like I literally had a fucking meltdown it was just like there's a lot of things on my plate and I was getting overwhelmed because things weren't perfectly done the way that I wanted them to and it just and I'm off day one of my period and we had to move out of our Airbnb and pack everything up I'm tired and exhausted and day one of my period and like my brain was not working it was one of those day ones where I could not literally string a sentence together like full-on like brain has been depleted of progesterone very obvious so i'm on the plane and just things weren't done perfectly like i'm getting my new website done and shit hasn't been done on time and then they want me to do things and i'm like fuck you guys like you didn't stick to the deadline so don't expect me to have time to do things when i haven't blocked time out of my calendar so then i just start crying and i just cry myself to sleep and that was my reality yesterday and it doesn't mean that I don't like my life or anything. It's just like that is sometimes the reality, right, of just doing a million things. So even though, yeah, I'm like living the dream, it doesn't mean I don't cry like at least four times a week, at least. I'm not joking, at least. Yeah, I just feel like for me as well, I don't know if you're the same. I'm just very sensitive. Like I'm very sensitive to emotions. I'm very I'm so sensitive, sensitive to what goes on in my body. Like you know, mm-hmm. you and I have done so much work that we don't suppress an emotion. So if we want to cry, we cry. And we're lucky that yep. we, yep. we have partners that can support that. A lot of people are like, oh my God, I can't cry. Mm-hmm. Whereas like you and me literally cry the whole time. And it's interesting you say that about the period as well. I got my period, I don't even remember when, a couple of days ago. And it was just, the emotions were just so, so intense. And I don't normally have mm-hmm. periods that do anything for me. They're so light. They're so easy. Mm. I have no pain. I have no symptoms. So I'm not used to having that intensity of emotion. And it just was like, oh my God, Mm. everything is too much. So like the first point was the emotions. And then exactly what you were saying about having a million and one things. It's like in Mexico, if I was having a bad day, I would just literally just clear my calendar and go and lie on the beach and read a book. But Mm -hmm. coming back to a city you can't do that. It's like my calendar, everything's color coded. And you and me nearly didn't jump on this recording today because time zones are such <laughs> a nightmare and we are so bad at like navigating them. We both need virtual assistance just for the time zone. My calendar is like every half an hour is blocked out. Yours is the same. I know that. Yep. Yep. It is. I feel like often the thing that I struggle the most is, is when I feel like this, I want to retreat. I want to go into my house mm-hmm. on my own. I want to cancel everything, particularly as, you know, I am so extroverted as I know you are too. I actually have a lot of introvert energy. I, I need to be on my own when things get too overwhelming. But when you have yeah. a calendar that is packed by the half an hour, you can't do that. So I want to know, like, what do you do? And I guess people listening to this, if they have kids, mm-hmm. if they have people they're caring for, you know, whatever it is, there are sometimes things that you cannot cancel. So what is your first approach? Like, do you cancel or do you try and push through? I know it's such a good question. And I first want to say about the period thing, like Louise, it makes sense that you've had a really intensely emotional period because it's like, you've had to, you're like releasing all of this emotion of everything that happened in Tulum with you. You're releasing like a past version of yourself, that version of you that went to Tulum. You're a different, you're a completely different woman leaving Tulum. You're grieving like that old version of yourself in your old life. You're grieving your beautiful man. There's so much to grieve. So it's like no wonder that you have a heavy period. I've always thought that I'll get my period on my wedding day, 
which is everyone's worst nightmare, right? And I just have this feeling that I will because it's like my body will be shedding this like old version of yourself, you know? And when you're really tapped in and like when you are very in your body and you've done a lot of work, it's like your body is always giving you physical symptoms and it's always giving you like a physical release when there's an emotional thing happening. Like you'll get sick when you're going through a lot or processing or when you're having a big up level because your body is literally like the result of what's happening energetically to you. So firstly, that makes sense. Um, okay. So what do I do? Yeah. Firstly, just to keep it real, I get fucking overwhelmed and my like trauma response and defense mechanism is to also retreat is to just be like, fuck it. I don't care. I'm going to bed. And like my boyfriend's picked up on it, even with everything going on, he'll ask me a question or he'll bring something up about some work thing or just some life thing. And I'll be like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. And a couple weeks ago, I was like, you've lately been saying whatever and blowing off the question or blowing off the problem and not even realizing that you're doing it. I was like, oh, whatever. I don't even care. So firstly, I did the exact same. I mean, number one, women suck at asking for help. We suck receiving help and we suck at asking for help. There's this thing called an inconvenience wound and we don't want to be an inconvenience to anybody. So we people please. It's like we want everyone to accept us. We don't want to be an inconvenience to anybody because if we're an inconvenience and we'll be rejected and in order for a woman's bi- like body to feel like she's safe, our biology is we need to be loved and accepted by our community. And if we're not loved and, accept- loved and accepted by our community, we'll be rejected and we're going to die alone because that's literally what would happen in the caveman days. So we have this inconvenience wound where we do not want to be shunned by men or by people in the community. And so then we don't want to cancel plans. We don't want to move things around. Like we don't want to be an inconvenience to anybody. We don't want to ask for too much help. We don't want to hire people and put too much on their plate. We don't value ourselves enough. So we don't want to pay for people to then help us. So the first fucking thing is like hire people. And when, when your brain goes, oh, I don't have any money to do that. The amount of people that will say they don't have any money to do that is astonishing when it's actually not that they don't have any money. They just don't value themselves enough to actually allocate that money and see the value that they get in return for doing that. Because even if you hired a housekeeper or a cleaner for one hour once a week and it was like $25, you could do that. If you are drinking coffee and if you have an iPhone in your hand, you can spend $25 once a month on doing that for yourself. So it's really about resourcefulness. So I'm always like hire people in the areas that you need help with. So I actually make lists of little things that overwhelm me. So I know the next person to hire. So over time I create these iNotes and like iNotes like titled jobs. And I group together these things that pop up of like, oh, I don't want to have to fucking do this anymore. This shit annoys me or this shit overwhelms me. And then that literally goes in the next job description. So that person can take it off. That's the first thing. Second thing is I like that I do is I am a huge fan of writing things down and mapping things out based on importance level. So I've become really good at prioritizing things where based on the importance of it, what the return on investment is, I will then literally make a list of everything and number things one to 10, for example, and just sit down, knock all those things out. So I don't feel as overwhelmed. I also know for myself, if I have a lot on my plate and a long list of things to do, I find it easier to stay up till 2am getting all of it done than going to bed my brain be racing because I have all these things still left to do and then I can't sleep. I would rather go to bed at 2am having knocked everything off, be like feeling so relieved going to bed and sleep in a little bit the next morning. That to me works a lot better than dragging it on over a whole week. But I think the number one thing is that people don't know how to prioritize these days. We live in a very avoidant society where we just avoid, avoid, avoid. Um, We procrastinate a lot. People have a lot of perfectionism and the perfectionism comes with like the not feeling enough right? So we want to make sure everything's perfect so we can be accepted. And the perfectionism then causes the procrastination. And then you procrastinate and then you get angry at yourself for procrastinating. And you go into this very self-destructive avoidant cycle and then nothing ends up getting done and you stay more overwhelmed. Like most people these days, if you you have a job and you want to achieve a lot in your life, like we are overwhelmed. And if you haven't figured out your way of prioritizing things putting things into a calendar so you don't forget to do list X, Y, and Z. You absolutely need to. Something that I love doing is if there is something that I've thought of in my head, but it doesn't need to get done till next Thursday, I will put it in next Thursday's day. That way it's written down and out of my head, but it's like, I don't need to do it today. I'm not adding to today's to-do list because that's not actually a priority for today. I'm not going to get it done today. 
but I can put it in for next week. So I see it next week. So that to me, I started doing that a few years ago and I found that really, really helpful because I can literally put things down in advance on a to-do list. And I know I won't forget it because when it comes to that week, I'm going to open it and I'm going to see it. So I feel like that's a good thing everyone should do. So I think a lot of people just don't give themselves permission to be like, what is actually working and what do I, what am I really struggling dealing with? What is actually making me overwhelmed and really taking the time to think about it because I let myself really, really think about what was making me very stressed and overwhelmed with my previous assistant. And it was the time difference. So I was like, right, we'll never do that again. Learned that one. And then it was also the, um, the constant texting, like back and forth, back and forth where it just wasn't productive and effective. So it was like, okay, we're not doing that anymore. We're having meetings more regularly and we're putting everything in Asana. Mm. Okay. Tons of things to say here. So first of all, I love what you're saying about outsourcing because you made me realize in this moment, one of the things that I'm finding so stressful is being back with my dog. And I love my dog so much. Mm. She's just been in the countryside with my parents for four and a half months. So she's now back in London in an apartment. Yeah, a big apartment with a balcony, but still an apartment. Okay. So not only am I super busy and I'm also recording podcasts, so I need her to be tired. So it's like, okay, in the morning, I want to walk her for 30, 45 minutes. And then at lunch, I want to do a big walk every single day. That's like a lot of pressure, right? So that's already these two mm-hmm. things in my diary, morning and lunch, that I feel like I have to do. And you saying outsource made me realize I bumped into my dog walker yesterday, universe, literally like not even where I live, down the road somewhere else. Mm. I just need to get my dog walker back. I can then yes. be like, I don't have to worry about this. It's off my plate. It's a minimal cost. You're so right. Same thing with the cleaner. I'm having viewings on my flat because I've canceled the tenancy. And I just was like, I'm just going to clean it all. No, I fucking hate cleaning. I literally am. I fucking hate cleaning. I never want to do cleaning. So why I haven't outsourced that? Why I haven't got my cleaner in? Why I haven't got my cleaner back on a weekly same time thing? I don't know. And I'm going to action it straight after this call. And that brings me to my second point is, Good. Same, same time every week is something that I feel like I need to shift towards too. So take this podcast, for example, you and me are always saying, mm. okay, what time can you do? What time can I do? What we need to do, mm. and this, this is for me across the board, is it needs to be like, okay, where possible, we just have a fixed time. Because otherwise it's like, oh, no, yes. like, you're traveling and I'm doing this and we've got the time zones wrong. And when I was in Tulum, I would get the time zones wrong all the time because my Google calendar was like on Tulum time. Even if I put in a time, it was like the time was actually wrong. It was like super confusing. And that's why I was like useless when we were away. at all. Mm. So that's my second thing is I need to add a bit more structure, but to be able to add structure, I need to know what to prioritize. So you, I'm going to do that yeah. when I get off. Well, not when I get off this call because I've got six other calls, but later today, <laughs> I'm going to go through and do like a proper priority list. What can be outsourced? What needs to take priority in the diary? What can be pushed to next week? Another thing that I'm trying to do is plan my week out for the week ahead. And then come Friday, Friday, mm. I want it to be fixed for next week. Because if I leave spaces that just like, oh, yeah, I'll put that in there, that in there, that in there, that does not work. I end up working 14-hour days, doing 16 calls, seeing two people a day, walking the dog twice a day, having an actual mental breakdown, trying to maintain a long-distance relationship, FaceTimes, time zones. So that's for the other thing I'm going to do is like have this hard and fast rule that by Friday, unless it's an emergency or something like, no, my diary is fixed. We are done. Yep. Amen. And like, I always say the busier your life is, the more masculine structure you need, because if you don't have that masculine structure, your feminine will feel so like stressed and anxious and depleted. And that's where you have all these mental breakdowns because you're not getting what your feminine needs. So when life is busier, you actually need to have more structure in order for you to stay sane. And even with your relationship, Louise, if I were you, I'd be having locked in times every day that you guys FaceTime because then there's no question of, will he FaceTime me? Are we going to talk? Because that creates more unknown and more stress on your nervous system. It's like he knows every day he FaceTimes you at this time and you know that you get to expect that call from him at this time. And it's just easy for both of you then. It's not it's not stressful. It's not another thing on your plate. It feels like it's like the one secure thing and the one locked in grounded thing in your life right now. But I second the whole lock in your calendar in X, Y, and Z. I also, when it comes to the outsourcing, you have to think of paying people like you're valuing yourself, like you're paying, you're paying for the value of yourself, right? Like when you pay for your cleaner, let's say for example, yes, you're paying your cleaner, but if you think about it in more of a, in a different way, it's actually you paying 
for how much you value those two hours of your time where you get to do something that you're really good at and you get to have your space clean. So for the rest of the week, well, for the for me, the rest of the fucking day, because then I trash it, the rest of the day, you're in a clean, beautiful space. And in those two hours, you got to do what you're really, really good at. People don't value themselves and therefore they don't value others. They don't want to pay for the cleaner. They don't want to pay. That's why they're like, people go, I don't know why I haven't hired a cleaner. Like, I'm just going to, I'm going to do it. I'm like, the reason why you haven't hired a cleaner is because your brain thinks super subconsciously, I can do it myself. It's a waste of money. X, Y, Z. I'm like, yes, you can do it yourself, but then you have these 18 hour days. And it's like, is is that what you value? I'm not saying this to you, Louise, but just generally, is that what you value yourself as? You value yourself having to kill yourself 18 hours a day because you don't want to pay 200 bucks for somebody else to clean your apartment. Um, and then when it comes to the priority thing for any, like for anybody, whether you're a business owner or not, always think what is the return on investment in this thing? So even Louise, like us doing this podcast, the reason why I like make the time when we're, you know, in Rome is because I know that these podcasts are doing really well. People love the episodes. One, we also get to ch- like shop at the same time. And so the return on investment is high, right? Because it's like another podcast that's done on my end. So I don't have to then sit down and record another one. It's great value. It's fun. It's like a different segment. It's authentic. It's easy to listen to all that jazz. So the return on investment is high. Something that wouldn't be a high return on investment for me would be like spending three hours doing TikTok videos. That'd be a high return on investment for you, right? But it's not a high return on investment for me. My high return on investment is my podcast. So I spend more time on my podcast than I would making the time to go on TikTok because I know even if I became fucking TikTok famous, I actually wouldn't want to have to maintain that and keep that up. That's just not for me, right? So what? So then don't invest a bunch of my time in it. And like, yeah, I have a TikTok, but like my assistant does it where she posts the clips of the podcast up on there. So it's it's still getting done because it's an important thing to get done for like the reach and people to find you and Lala, all the obvious things, but I don't have to do it. So it's like I've outsourced that because I know it's important to do, but the return on investment isn't high enough for me to be doing it. Yeah, I could not agree with you more. And like, whilst we're talking about this, my dog is literally pouring me and growling me because she wants to play. And I'm like, exactly like I've already taken you for a walk this morning. So this is really stressing me out and literally proving the point of everything we're talking about yeah. to pick up on something you said. So we love doing this mm. because, well, firstly, we bring so much value and we have so much fun together, but also yeah. it's literally the only time that we get to catch up. This is our weekly, like, <laughs> like best friend FaceTime. Okay. So that for everyone listening is this is really the only time that Monica and I even talk outside of like text messages. Literally. Because we are genuinely so busy that we don't have like, we don't have just like a spare afternoon when one of us just like lazy calls the other. Like it, it doesn't. Oh my God. Louise, the amount of my friends that are like, do you want to like FaceTime? Let's catch up this weekend. I'm like, I fucking wish. Like I am just in a busy season in my life. I definitely don't love that my life is this busy. I pride myself on having space in my calendar and like being able to have like that feminine kind of balance and X, Y, and Z. But it's just hard when you're running a business and you have all these other millions of things going on. Like you're running a business and you have to be doing a podcast that doesn't it, like directly make money for your business as well. Let's just highlight that for Louise, right? That's an extra big thing on your plate that you have to do. And then you're also trying to maintain a long-term relationship. And then you're also trying to walk a dog every day and you live in a major city. That's a lot on anybody's plate. Mm. So when my friends like, let's FaceTime, I'm like, you know what? You can text me if I'm free in that moment. Fucking great. But I am not just lounging around on a Saturday. Like I am doing things and like, running my business in X, Y, and Z. So yeah, this is literally our FaceTime. Yeah. And I think that's my other question for you. And we're going to have to go in a minute because I honestly, I'm going to have to take my dog outside. I'm like, do you need to poo? Like, is, <laughs> is that the problem? Because you never normally do this. Like, she better. Yeah. Like, I hate that when my dogs like need to go outside and then they don't fucking poo. I'm like, you literally disturbed me and you just want to stand outside and look at the sun. She did it. She did it last week on a call. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I was like a paying client. I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I genuinely think I have to take my dog outside. And she had literally the worst diarrhea. So I was like, oh, baby, thank you for telling me. But now I'm like, now she's yes. me. I'm like, I don't know if you like just want to play, if you want to go outside. So let yep. 60 second wrap up before my dog shits on the floor. Perfect. <laughs> like how you, how you can see how stressed I am. Wait, 60 seconds, baby. Okay. Yep. Um, what are your thoughts on cancelling stuff versus like pushing through? Okay. 
Okay. I always think about in business stuff, what is the return on investment? So if I am really exhausted, really busy, calendar's full, and again, it's not a high enough return on investment. That is how I that is how I decide. So I never also cancel. I will only postpone. If I have asked somebody else to come on my podcast, for example, or if I have asked someone to do something for me, then I will not cancel because it's an integrity thing. And then the last thing I want to say to everybody, so when it comes to friends, I will always think, is it just, is it that I actually don't want to fucking see them? Or is it just that I'm a bit tired and lazy, but I know that when I see them, I'll actually get a pep in my step. Usually it's the latter. Usually I'm a little bit lazy. I'm feeling tired, but I know I'll get a pep in my step. So then this the last thing I want to say to everyone that I always focus on is what is the pleasure that I will get out of the thing? So it's like our brains focus on the pain of like, driving to lunch or having to get ready or like the effort required to go see your friend. But then when you're there sitting with your friend, you're having the best fucking time. So I always think for my brain, what is the pleasure that I will get from doing that thing, being in that environment? Not is what the pain, not thinking about the pain that it will cause me to have to get ready and get myself out of bed and X, Y, and Z. And that is like across the board with procrastination. If you procrastinate, you are focusing on the effort required to do the task not the pleasure that you get from doing the task. I don't procrastinate anymore because I just think how fucking good it's going to feel to tick that thing off the list, see that friend, have caught up with that person, get that errand done, and you feel so much lighter afterwards versus avoiding, avoiding, avoiding. It doesn't make you feel lighter because the fucking task is still on your to-do list. Okay. I love that. So in, in business, prioritize and in friendships, it's, I guess it's also prioritized because for me, I feel like we said at the beginning, my, yes, baby, literally one second. My like default is just retreat. So I want to lie on the sofa. I want to have a picture. I yep. want to watch Netflix, like numb, numb, chill, chill. But we know from human psychology, trauma, all the, all the work we've done that connection is truly the answer to better mental health. So I now, like you said, yep. I'm like, I, I have a very small group of friends. I will not hang out with anyone mm-hmm. that are not in like my five to 10 people. If you're outside of that, no, mm-hmm. no dog walks, nothing like no. And yep. inside of that circle, it's like, I am going to see you whether or not, like, even if I, yeah, unless it's like I'm having a real mental breakdown, like I am right now because my dog is literally barking at me. So I'm literally just going to go, yep. but I love you, everyone. This is so perfect. How stressed <laughs> I am right now. Okay, baby, we're going to go. Oh my God. Let's all, let's all praise for, for Louise on the next episode. She'll be not feeling as stressed and there'll be a dog walker, a house cleaner. And everything's going to be like smooth sailing and organized. I'm going to let you know if, if she poos or if this is just like a tantrum. But I'm sorry for how hectic this is. But at least we're sharing a bit of reality with you guys. Like this is literally the truth. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. Have an amazing day. I love you, babe. I will talk to you later. And I really hope she does a great show. Most shit. hectic podcast of all time. Love you. Bye. <laughs>